Well, it's good to be here in God's house at Porchlight Baptist Church this morning. Uh, glad to have those that are with us, those watching online. Uh, we are uh, in the book of John this morning. Uh, we just completed our 57-week uh, sermon series in the book of Romans. took us almost two years to complete that. Uh, and I told you last Sunday I wasn't sure where we'd be going next. Well, after uh, much prayer and consideration, uh, I believe we'll be doing a sermon series out of the book of John. Um, I want to give, beginning today, I want to give a few basics about the book of John, kind of the who, what, where, when, and why, and all that, that stuff. Uh, I have no idea how long it's going to take us to get through this one, probably around two years, maybe a little more. There are 21 chapters in this book, 879 verses, and 18,658 words in the book of John. That's in the, in the King James Version of the Bible, which is the only Bible needed for English-speaking people, by the way. Um, the human penman of the book of John, of course, is the Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved, uh, he often said. And uh, he's also the, the son of Zebedee, the brother of James. He's one of the sons of thunder. He's the one that Jesus, as he was hanging on the cross, committed the care of his mother to. Uh, it's the same John who wrote the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the, the book of Revelation. So uh, lots of information we have about John from the, from the Bible. He is one of the original 12 disciples. And as you well know, as I've said several times, if you've listened to my preaching at all, um, that the Gospel of John is different than the other three Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are referred to as the synoptic Gospels. That's just the fancy term meaning see together. And what that simply means is those first three Gospels pretty much tell the same story. Just a little, little different. It's formatted the same way, though and really to the same Jewish audiences. Uh, and they focus on what Jesus did and what he taught, uh, his genealogy. But the Gospel of John is very different than the other three Gospels. Um, he leaves out a lot of things mentioned in the synoptics. Uh, he doesn't spend any time recounting the genealogy of Jesus, which uh, at least two of the other Gospels do. They spend a lot of time on that. Uh, Matthew and Luke both. Mark, not as much, but... Uh, John doesn't spend any time on the genealogy, tracing you back through the king, the kingly line through David and then on back and such. Um, he doesn't spend any time on his childhood, uh, the temptation in the wilderness, um, the calling of the disciples. He doesn't go into that. Uh, the parables. He doesn't mention the parables. But instead, John focuses upon who Jesus is, not really everything that he did, but who he is. And so what his purpose is, is so that all men may believe in the Lord Jesus as Savior. That's the, the whole purpose of the book of John, to introduce you to Christ and to let you know who he is. Now, this book is often combined with the, the book of Romans that we just finished, and we got over here in the, in the box, if you want some, I, I know everybody here's probably got them, we've got them at several places, uh, little booklets of John and Romans. And this is often given out as sort of like a Bible track because you can learn everything you need to know about the Lord Jesus, how to be saved from the book of John. And in the book of Romans, teaches you how to behave yourself as a Christian 
as well as salvation. So those two books alone, you could take those and uh, anybody can read them, be saved, and understand the, the gospel. Um, I want to read the first 14 verses. We won't expound upon every one of those this morning. Uh, we'll look at, at verses probably 1 through 4 quite a bit, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the others, but to, we're not going to get real deep into all these verses today, so we'll be going back over them uh, later. So let's go ahead and read those first 14 verses. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. And here the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your text this morning. Lord, we pray now you help us as we begin this sermon series. Lord, that you'll guide us and lead us through it. May we look to you for everything we need to know of the answers to. And we'll give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do want to say up there in verse 6 where it says, uh, the man sent from God whose name was John. That's not the same John, the human penman of this book. He's referring to John the Baptist, John the Baptist being the, the forerunner to Christ. So uh, John himself doesn't refer to himself in this book. Um, he does uh, at times say the one that Jesus loved, and it's believed that he's referring to himself when he says that. But uh, as we look through this, look, right away at the very first verse, it says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Uh, no other gospel writer mentions the Word of God. The Word. Here it's from a Greek word, logos. Uh, it's the personification of God. It's what it is. Uh, in technical terms, it, it describes the attribution of a personal nature or the human characteristics to something uh, non-human. In the case of John's writings, are describing who Jesus is. He's the Word. He's the personification of God, the very image of God. He, in fact, is God. Jesus is God. Now, a lot of these false religions today, you tell them that, and they just they flip out. They they just they claim that we're heretics teaching that Jesus and God are the same. They are the same. Jesus, the, the Holy Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all three in one, the triune Godhead. And so as I've already said here, John doesn't provide the genealogy of Jesus going through the bloodlines the way the other writers do. Instead, he goes directly to the source, that source being God. So Jesus is the Son of God, and in fact, he is God himself, 
the personification of God. And it says, in the beginning. Now, we see that a lot in the Bible. In the beginning. In fact, in the next verse, the same was in the beginning with God. What's that mean? The start of mankind as we know it is what that's referring to. So, at the very beginning, God has always been. You see, God has, as Pastor Sexton often said, he's always previous. He's always previous. So, God has always existed. There's no beginning of God. He was not created. Uh, He is and, and he is the one that spoke the world into existence. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all took part in the creation of the world and man, animals, everything. In him there was nothing made. Uh, all things were made by him. As it said in verse 3, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus was part of that. He was involved. In, in fact, in, in Genesis, it talks about uh, we and us. It refers to more than just one person during the creation. And so, uh, let us make man in our own image. So it's referring to all three attributes of God. The, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, in, in verse 2, it says, The same was in the beginning with God. And I've probably mentioned, like I said, this dozens of times during my preaching about Pastor Sex and saying uh, God is always previous. He's in the beginning. And so um, just keep that in mind. A lot of people, they get confused and you start talking about Jesus, say, oh, the baby born in, in the manger in Bethlehem. Well, yeah, that's how he came here to exhibit himself to man, to show himself. He robed himself in flesh and became a man. Uh, so that he could identify with man. That's why it's called the Son of Man, because he is, he was, although he was 100% man, he was also 100% God. He never ceased from being God the whole time that he was a man. Verse 3, it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, again, long before. The virgin birth in Bethlehem, Jesus was and is the creator of all things. And by the way, those things were created for him. The Bible tells us for him. You know, a lot of times we think, well, God created this world for us. No, he created for him. And he placed us in it. Um, so he made things, all things, and created them for himself. Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So we know from this that we were not some accident. I, I can't stand for somebody to say, oh, I was an accident. I was, you know, nobody wanted me, and I, I shouldn't have ever been into this world and all this stuff. God had a plan for everybody that's been born. He, he had a plan and, there, and a purpose. He created us for himself. And we, in return, we believe in him. We, by faith, trust him as our Savior, receive him as such, and we worship him. And so that's what his plan and purpose for us is to be in his will. And his will, people say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. We'll read the Bible. It tells you what his will is for your your life. Uh, Verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
So it's only because of Jesus that we have life. Now, as I said, all three of the, the triune Godhead involved in creation, and that goes for life as well. When the Holy Spirit breathed, or when God breathed, the Bible says breathed in the nostrils of man, and he became a living soul. That is a, uh, that's a, a sign of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit is. It's pneuma. It's a, it's a, a wind, a power of God. And so man became uh, alive. The Bible says that life comes from him. Uh, in the book of Genesis, it says this in Genesis 2 and 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so notice it says that the Lord God formed man. All capital, L-O-R-D. You notice that? There's a reason for that. Anytime you see that word spelled that way, in your Old Testament, in all caps, it signifies the difference between uh, the regular usage of the word Lord and this usage of the word Lord. When it's all capitalized, it's from the original Hebrew word, uh, Jehovah, or as we say it, Jehovah. There was no J's in Hebrew, so it's uh, Yehovah or Jehovah. And it means the self-existing one is what that means. Uh, it's the Jewish national name for God. And it's translated that way over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. You won't find it all cap L-O-R-D in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, the Lord Jehovah of the Old Testament, you could pretty much say, is the same as Jesus in the New Testament. Uh, and again, it says in Genesis 2, 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, if you're not careful, you'll miss the fact that all three members of God, the Godhead, are mentioned right there the, um, the crea through the creation. Lord Jehovah God, the Father, and how man was created, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and again, when you see that God breathed with the breath of God, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. And that word breath, actually you could translate it as spirit. And so uh, we, see, we see all that in there. And that's why Job said, over in Job 33 and 4, he said, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. The breath of the Almighty. All right, back in John there. If uh, Go down to John 1 and 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now here we find that this Word that was with God, meaning Jesus, the Word is referring to Jesus, was made flesh. In other words, like we said already, God robed himself in flesh. Just imagine, if you will, because no one's seen God. He's a spirit. He doesn't have a bodily form like we do. And so to, to become man, he had to robe himself in flesh. And so he puts on the flesh of a man. And that's where that baby in Bethlehem comes into play. Um, and so he's born there. And that's what we call the incarnate Christ. Or Christ clothed in flesh is what that refers to. Now, we've already established the fact that the Word created all things, including man, and he did it for himself. But why did he have to clothe himself in flesh and come and appear as a man? Why couldn't he have just done whatever he wanted to do without doing that? Well, he probably could have. God can do all things. So there, he could have 
just use the different means. But this is the way that he did it, probably because man is not very smart. Now, there's a lot of intellectual people. They've got a lot of they've got high IQs and all that stuff. But when it comes to our thoughts and our brains and uh, our mentality compared to God's, there's no comparison. We are nothing like God in our thoughts, uh, in our in our ability to have knowledge. It's only through Him that we have any kind of knowledge. And so, if you look back at our text, look at verse four. It says, "In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not." There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become uh, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the reason the word became flesh was so that all men through him might believe. Might believe. It said in verse 12, As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So the reason, or the word became flesh so that all men might believe and be saved. And notice it doesn't say all Jews or all Gentiles. Now the synoptic gospels focus right on the Jew. In fact, they they kind of push the Gentile out of it. And you'll find passages like this in Matthew 10, 5 through 7. Listen to what it says in that gospel. It says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles. And into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now you all know from, from your time being uh, in church, and, and uh, especially under my preaching, because I, I speak about it quite often here, and, and it is that God always had a plan to include the Gentiles. It's always from the beginning of, of uh, man's existence, that plan has been in place. However, we see in the cases of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they push the Gentile out and focus upon the Jew. Matthew 15, 22 through 24. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and saw him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now we all know the, the rest of the story. She is persistent, and the Lord does uh, uh, save her, her daughter that's uh, vexed with the devil. And she she even pleads and saying, you know, even the dogs uh, get crumbs on the master's table. But he, point blank, said, I'm not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you're not part of that. And remember what it said in the previous verses? Or don't go into any of the city of the Samaritans? Well, here we have, you know, uh, this woman from Canaan. And so, uh, Luke, in Luke 2 and 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, 
And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. The consolation of Israel means that time when the Messiah will come. And so Simeon, we know, as he was waiting there in the temple, and he's the one that they brought young Jesus to for the circumcision and to be declared there in the house of God. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He wasn't waiting for the Gentiles to be saved, for to be alive in the Gentiles. But the Gospel of John emphasizes salvation for all men, Jew and Gentile alike. And so the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us that all might believe. Now, over in 2 Peter 3 and 9, listen to what the Bible says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, like I said, in the New Testament here, you'll not find all capitalized spelling of the word Lord like you do in the Old. Here in Second Peter, the word Lord is translated from the Greek word kurios, and that's another title for the Messiah or Jesus. But the Bible right here tells us that it's not his will that any man should perish. Jew, Gentile, whoever it is, Chinaman, Japanese, you know, Hindu. He don't want any of these men to perish. It's his will that they be saved. But we know all men will not be saved. And that's because he does give us the free will to accept him. Now I believe that God is the one who causes us to accept him. I believe that God is the one that speaks to us and draws, and draws us to him. And uh, that's the way we, we accept him as Savior. We receive him. We believe in him because of his drawing power. But a lot of people is going to push that away. A lot of people is going to deny that. And uh, they will not accept his free gift of salvation. So despite it being his will, a lot of people is not going to obey his will. And they're not going to be saved. They will go to hell. And so uh, if you don't turn to Jesus in repentance and believe in him as your Savior, you, you will go to hell. But it's not his will. And so it's tragic to think of so many people today that think they're so smart that we'll end up in hell. They think it's a fairy tale. They think that what we believe, our faith and practice, is nothing but silliness. We believe in some kind of you know fairy tale that... You know, Jesus was, and some of them even say, well, yeah, Jesus was a real man, walked here on earth. He was a good man and a good example to follow and all that. But they don't believe he's a savior. They don't believe that you need to believe in him in order to be saved and go to heaven. <laughs> and so they're going to find out differently one day because all will stand before him. And so we have here the word, which is the Lord Jesus. We have his will is that no man should perish. All men should be saved. That's his will. And lastly, there's another thing here we want to look at, and it's the way. Jesus told Thomas over in John 14 and 6, he said, I am the way. I am the way. He said, the truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, that's another message that the world does not want to accept, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They'll tell you there's other ways. They'll tell you living a good life, uh, uh, treating your neighbor good, uh, taking care of the environment, 
there's a lot of crazy beliefs out there that people's going to get to heaven because they were good. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. And so we're not going to get to heaven any other way except through the exclusive way through Jesus Christ because he says, I am the way. The way, not a way or one of the ways. He says, I am the way, the exclusive way to heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he's the only method and means to get to heaven. He was sinless, spotless, never committed any kind of sin. But he took on our punishment, what we should have took, to pay our penalty for sin. And because he did that, we then have a way through him. Romans 3, 22 through 26 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So there we see again, the way is through Jesus. It's through his work. It's through his death. Uh, it's uh, He was our substitute. For the penalty of our sins. Uh, John 3, 35-36. The Father loveth the Son, and has given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Now, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir today. You all know this, but you would not believe how many people in this world do not. The gospel's not reached everywhere in this world. But do you know that we can reach them through the means like we're doing right now, live streaming on the internet? Do you know how many foreign countries actually go on sermon audio and listen and people from those countries listen to these sermons? I mean, I can give you all the statistics. I get them every month. Uh, we've had uh, almost 500 different people this month alone downloading and listening to our messages. And so the gospel is being reached all over the world, but not everybody's been reached yet. And so a lot of people, even those that have been reached, don't believe it. Some of them has not been taught the truth. You can get a lot of people to get mixed up into some of these places that don't teach the truth and say, well, this is one of those ways. This is, this is a good way, you know. And, and personally, I think that's the, the best way, but now, you know, what about the person that don't believe in Jesus? What about the Jews? What if they don't want to accept Christ as Savior? Will they get there? And you've got some people say, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to go to heaven. Not if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus, they're not. And so he is the exclusive way. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That's kind of scary. 
I mean, here he's saying there is a there's two paths people follow. One's a big old broad one, and most of the people are on that one. And most of this world is on that broad path that leads to destruction. And he says there's few that find that straight and narrow. And that is the only way to get through there. That lead, leadeth to life. Now, when you die, whether you're saved or lost, you will remain conscience uh, whichever place you go. If you go to hell, you're going to remain conscious. You're not going to be annihilated in hell and not be able to feel or think or anything. You will be fully aware of everything that's going on. And in heaven, of course, we know we will. But a lot of people think, well, you know, if I don't believe in Jesus or anything, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to rot in the ground and that'll be the end of me. No, it's not. No, we'll all stand before the judgment seat. And uh, if you're not saved, you will be sentenced to the lake of fire where you will be eternally aware of everything and you will feel all that on you, the wrath of God. Now, the world would have you believe there's many ways. There's popular people on television that have large audience. Oprah Winfrey's one of those. She's a false prophet. Uh, there's a lot of, of different ones out there uh, that, that want to teach you all these other ways and they've got a large following and they're just leading people along with them into hell they're dropping off in there every second and so listen don't be fooled into thinking there's some other way there is no other way Jesus says I am the way and so salvation is not through Buddha not through Muhammad the Catholic Pope the Mormons the Watchtower, Scientology, or even your own good works, no matter how good you are, uh, that will not make your way to heaven. It's only through Jesus. So he, who is Jesus? He's the Word. He's God incarnate, God in the flesh. Now, we know he came here, dwelled among us. Um, he was buried, and uh, or he was crucified, buried, and on, in, on the third day he arose and we know that now he sits on the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us the Bible says and the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins all we have to do is ask him and so he is the word it is his will that all men be saved that's what John, the book of John is all about it's so that you can know who he is and be saved and he is the exclusive way unto salvation. And so I know that was uh, fairly quick for the first introduction to John. And as I said, we'll be going over most of these verses again. Uh, maybe not the first uh, three there, but uh, as we go through here, we'll look at these a little more closely. And um, I know the Lord will help us through this. But, you know, you may have people that ask you, certain things you know when you get jobs at places you'll meet people that were not raised in church like you were uh, they've not been to Sunday school they've not had a Bible they didn't have a mom dad or grandparent that taught them any of these things and you will confront those types of people a lot of them are into uh, atheism uh, the, a lot of them today say that they, they have no beliefs at all you know, they're fine, you believe in whoever you want to, and I will whoever I want to, or not. It doesn't matter. We're all in this thing together, you know. Uh, let's just all get along. There's a lot of that going on today. Uh, people need to know that 
No, that's not correct. Let me tell you the truth. And the Bible says that Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. So remember that. Uh, somebody comes and asks you what you believe or whatever, say, this is what I believe. It's what the Bible says. All right, let's go Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today thanking you for the message. Lord, I pray that it's been helpful. I pray, Lord, that those that are listening here and those uh, listening over the live stream or maybe later on as they, they uh, tune in to the, the message, Lord, that you'll, your message will go out. Lord, nothing I've done, but Lord, what you do. And Lord, we're praying for those out there that do not know or don't understand or don't believe that you are the exclusive way to heaven. Lord, help us reach them. Lord, convict them through the power of the Holy Spirit before it's too late. Help us, Father. We thank you for everything you've blessed us with. God, help us. You know, these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.